the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com. The views, opinions, and conclusions expressed in the following program are those of the host, guests, and or callers, and not those of Relmar McConnell Media Company, our corporate divisions or entities, the Exxon Broadcast Network, Simul Radio, Simul TV, our staff, management, advertisers, broadcast affiliates, and affiliated broadcast networks. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka. Hello, dear friends, and welcome back to Mission Evolution Radio Show, where we share the latest information and leading-edge thoughts to support the path to unity and enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring transforming crisis. It seems everywhere we look these days, there's a crisis. Crisis is defined as a stage in a sequence of event at which the trend of the future events, especially for better or worse, is determined, a turning point. It can be a condition of instability or danger, as in social, economic, political, or internal affairs, which leads to a decisive change, or a dramatic emotional or circumstantial upheaval in a person's life. Crisis is something we all experience at some time or another. As we evolve and old systems begin to fail, there seems to be more crisis situations than ever before, personally and collectively. Yet at no time is there a greater opportunity for change than when a crisis throws all the constituent parts into the air to be re-examined. How can we take advantage of the alchemical nature of crisis? How can we reframe our concept of drastic change from a disaster to an opportunity? With us this hour to help us reframe the concept of crisis is Bridget Jackson Buckley. She's the author of The Gift of Crisis, a memoir which chronicles her story of identifying the underlying purpose of ongoing financial crisis and the meditation practice which helped to overcome it. Bridget earned a psychology degree from the University of California, Berkeley. Currently, she lives in Los Angeles, where she continues to write about spirituality and personal growth and works as a writer, author, and ghostwriter. Her website, bjbuckley.com. Bridget, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. What led you to examine crisis in the first place? I would say what led me to examine the crisis were the repeated situations that we found ourselves dealing with. Um, As I read many books over the course of years, I began to notice that there was a pattern in what I was seeing in my life via the financial situations, the financial hardship and destitution that my husband, my family and I were dealing with. And as I read the books, went into a meditative state, um, had a spiritual community, and just garnered some of the insights from the readings, it was apparent to me that I needed to look at myself and what I was bringing to the situation to bring about crisis. What 
unexamined subconscious beliefs, habits, thought patterns that I had that contributed to this situation. You know, it seems we are living in times of crisis. Um, is this new? Living in times of crisis, is this new? I don't think so. A cr- living in times of crisis is something that we repeatedly have dealt with and will continue to deal with. The crisis, as stated in the book, it is not just a crisis. It's also a crossroads. It could be a turning point for us individually as well as on a societal level. Do you see crisis a natural reoccurring phenomenon or something we create? I think that it's something that we create because specifically when I look at my situation and as I began to look at the situation um, within the lives of family members and friends around me, I did ask myself, why are we dealing with this particular problem? They're not dealing with that problem. Each person had their own set of circumstances, their own set of situations that they were dealing with that were vastly different from us. So that compelled me even more to look at what is going on here? What are we doing? What am I doing? And as I really went in deeper, it became clear to me that I was bringing a lot of fear and lack, uh, a mentality of lack and poverty consciousness to almost every situation that we met because we were dealing with such financial hardship, I always expected to have hardship, thus contributing energetically to the crisis, the self-fulfilling prophecy along those lines of what you put your attention on is what you bring about. I was constantly anticipating that we would not have enough and that we or I would not be enough to meet the situations as they they met us. So I definitely think that it is something that we create as we have a major hand in creating our external situations because our external situations reflect our inner environment. How much of the uh, tendency towards crisis is passed down family lines like belief systems and whatnot? Oh my gosh, so much of it. So much of our subconscious beliefs were programmed into us as children before we even knew what was happening, what was taking place. And the thing about an unexamined life is you can live the majority of your life thinking that these are external situations that are happening to you, putting yourself um, in the position of being a victim. Something is happening to me. This is not my fault. And yes, we are also experiencing collective external situations, but we're also experiencing our internal situation as manifested externally, if that makes sense. And when your children are amongst you, they see how you're responding or reacting when it's on a lower level point. They see how you talk about the situation. They pick up on the energetic vibration within the household. And this this worried me greatly as we were going through this over the span of years that we were passing a poverty consciousness onto our children by simply being in the presence of them. So, of course, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, that is concern. I mean, we worry yeah. about what we pass on to our children. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it was obviously passed on to you, I would expect. You know, I, I've had a lot of things passed on to me. At what point can we start to take responsibility and shift what's been passed on? Well, th- this is what I was alluding to, that when you, if you are leading an unexamined life where you never question why you react the way you do, why you do the things you do, why you believe what you believe, where you just move throughout your life doing what you've been taught, then in my opinion, that is living an unexamined life. And you you need to take responsibility when you're at the point when you're really willing to be honest with yourself, to look at what is happening in my life? How am I contributing to this? And I began to view it as, Of course, my parents, my caregivers, they did the best that they could do with what they had with where they were in their life. And as an adult, a responsible adult, you do need to take responsibility for where you are and not dole out blame and judgment for something that happened so long ago. Yes, there does need to be healing. There can be reconciliation and even forgiveness. But 
as an honest and authentic adult, you really do need to just take that in and see what you can do from where you are to let the healing begin and to see what you can do to reframe your beliefs and your habits and actions in the world. So you speak of an unexamined life. What is an examined life? An examined life is when you do take time to go in quietly for self-introspection where you contemplate what is the energy that I'm bringing to this interaction? Am I arriving at this interaction with this person with fear, judgment, doubt? Am I bringing that to my professional encounters? Am I perceiving things as non-judgmentally as I possibly can? Is there a deeper way for me to expand my awareness to be more compassionate, kind and loving and to bring an open heart to situations when they are uncomfortable, when I feel afraid and uncertain? I think that is examining because you are, when you're examining yourself, your life, you're willing to learn something new. You're willing to see something new and bigger possibilities than what you may have known. And you also approach situations with a knowing that you don't know everything. You don't know all the possibilities and the outcomes of what something should be. So I like to view examination, self-introspection as coming with an open mind, a beginner's mind. So is it a form of trying to not superimpose the events of the past onto the present and make a rerun out of the future? Yes, yes, I would say that it is because a lot of it is also projection. You experience something in your past and you're so afraid that that is going to come about again that you are inadvertently looking for that. You're looking for clues, okay, there this fear is coming about, is that it? Is that it? Is that what I think it is? And you can actually feel that, that fearful anticipation in your body, anticipating what it is that you say you don't want. So that in, totally changes how we interpret what does happen. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, okay. it does, it, it really colors it in, in, in a way that is bringing about more challenges and possibly more crises. Well, we're going to have to take a commercial break. Bridget and I will return shortly, so don't go away. You're listening to the Mission Evolution Radio Show, coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomenon, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com 
or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. The new non-fiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Expose Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. To stay abreast of all the wonderful information and tools we have to offer, visit our website, missionevolution.org. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka, and our special guest this hour is Bridget Jackson Buckley. Her website, bjbuckley.com. Bridget, so I'm trying to straighten out in my mind here. Is it how we view the events um, based on our fear, or are we actually creating events that lead to uh, crisis? I think it could be a mixture of both because you are viewing something as a threat. You're viewing something as negative and you're looking at it and you're thinking about it. And that is informing a physiological response in your body. And if you are someone who believes that energy is everything, then you know that we are emanating a vibration. We're emanating a feeling that is affecting those closest to us, those that we interact with in our community, in our places of work, out in the world when we walk into a grocery store. So if, for example, let's say I'm having what I would call a very difficult day, I'm frustrated, I'm agitated, I'm upset at what's happening, and then I walk out my door, drive and go to a gasoline station to put gas in my car. Well, it would be no coincidence if I arrive at the gas station and I end up getting into a small argument, you know, or hostile exchange of words with someone at the gas station because I've already shown up in an energetic state of being agitated and upset. So whoever is of a similar vibration is going to meet me exactly where I am. And if you're constantly living in that state when you're approaching your finances, your marriage, your children, your supervisor, your parents, they are going to meet you energetically exactly where you are. And it can express itself in the form of an argument, a hostile conversation, just kind of pushing back where it feels like there's not a lot of harmony and there's not a lot of flow. So that's, you know, sometimes you walk into a room and there's been an argument gone on and pretty soon you feel agitated yourself. So vibrationally, you're attuning to that frequency because it's present? It's already active within you. And that's absolutely true. I've experienced that. I've walked into, um, you know, environments and I have just felt something, something very strained happen here. I don't know if it was an argument, but there's something that feels very heavy And it left me feeling very uncomfortable. So, I mean, you can pick up on the energy of those around you, you know, and you recognize that in in some way, this feels like depression, this feels like hostility, this feels like judgment, you know, and it is up to you to have a self-awareness within yourself to be able to identify, is this mine or am I picking up on something that is around me? 
because you could be in a perfectly happy state and you walk into that physical environment and you notice an immediate change. I have found that that is one of the clearest ways for me to to recognize that that emotion is not mine. It's something that I'm picking up on. Does that make sense? Yeah, but from what you were saying earlier, you have to have something in there to resonate with it. So how about we follow it in and see where it resonates within us? Is that more of that uh, uh, examining your life? Yeah, yeah, because because you can, I'm saying like you can be going okay for one day and then you go into a room and you pick up on something. But let's say at a low level state, I am also agitated and I'm depressed because I'm so worried about my finances over here. So there is something in me that resonates with that that energetic vibration, that level, or it would feel very foreign, very unidentifiable to me. You, does that make sense? Yeah, no reference point. Okay. That makes mm-hmm. sense to me. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it seems like right now uh, with things changing so fast and information flowing so fast and polarization going on so much that we're kind of in a universal crisis. How can mm-hmm. we stand in the soup of that frequency and start to examine ourselves and maintain our own equilibrium? That's a really, really good question. Um if you're looking at it from a state of, let's say, meditation and prayer, that can be viewed as something that is causing you to retreat from the world. Like the outer world is in this state of crisis. There's wars going on, there's famine, there are large scale problems that it seems that you may ask yourself, how can I help with a large scale problem in Los Angeles, California, that's happening in another part of the world? And where I would say that meditation and prayer comes into this is because you go into a state that's bringing you into the present to help you clarify and become clear with what you are bringing and contributing into the world. Are you bring? Uh, are you bringing a state of consciousness within yourself that is contributing to the external crisis? That's contributing to this out picture. Of, of 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 fighting, of confrontation, of conflict consistently. Is that what you're bringing? And meditation and prayer is a tool for you to go within to really get clear on how you can remain open and connected to your heart so that you can bring that to everything you encounter outside of you, no matter how unpleasant and difficult the external crisis may be. Well, meditation is a viable resource for personal clarity, yet it seems a little tough to sit and contemplate one's navel when in the middle of a a current crisis. How do you advocate using meditation in a crisis situation? Well, okay, so let's say when we were in the midst of our financial crisis, I mean, we were dealing with, uh, you know, um, bill collectors contacting us constantly, you know, and sometimes we would have situations where, a representative from the gas company would show up and you know we're going to we're going to turn off the gas if the bill isn't paid or having the power shut off so throughout those times of course as you can imagine i was i was very anxious very very uncomfortable and worried and so what i would do is go into a state of meditation at night after the kids were put in bed or in the morning after they were dropped at school. And it really helped me to feel calmer. It helped me to feel a reduction in the tension within my body so that I could come out of it 15 to 30 minutes later and okay, okay, this is not the end of the world. I am, I'm okay here. These situations are happening around me. But in this particular moment, I am okay. I'm okay. So how now will I meet my husband when he comes home from work? And when I did that consistently, I just started to notice a continual calmness and reduction in the anxiety and depression and worry that I felt. So it's like a reset. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's a great way to put it. That's that's a really good way to pull it because I began to feel like I I needed it in the sense of, you know how when you go to the gym for let's say weeks and weeks in a row and then you take off three or four days and your body feels like you're missing something. It it feels like it wants to go exercise again. I began to feel that way with meditation 
Like I, it was something that my body craved. So apparently my body and I, as Bridget was craving to be in a truly calmer state and not so frantic, not constantly living in fight or flight. Well, the, the fight or flight and all that stuff, as we've ascertained earlier in the interview, really comes from history, you know, um, events of the past, traumatic events of the past, or our parents' programming, or mm-hmm. fear for the future. But mm-hmm. meditation brings you into the moment. Is that why it's working so well for you? Yes, because it also during meditation, you it's an opportunity for you to examine, you know, your thinking mind. The thoughts are going to come up when you first start. So when I first began to meditate and I would sit down, my legs crossed, my palms open, I was receptive physically. But the thoughts that were coming up were, what are we going to do? What, what are we going to do? You know, sometimes it seems like they would just get louder and louder and louder. And so with continual meditation, the thoughts got a little quieter and the spaces in between my breath and those thoughts began to widen. And I was also able to see the pattern, the negative patterns of what was coming up, just so much fear. You know, so, and also the shame of the experience and the deeper, deeper levels of the unworthiness, which to your point goes back to the childhood situations, uh, creating situations of unworthiness that reflect a much deeper belief, which is something that also came up in meditation that prompted me to ask, what is this underneath all this? What is this unworthiness? And what is all this shame about that has created an external situation that I am so embarrassed about? And I was able to make the connection between how I felt about our financial situations with how I felt in childhood situations when, let's say, I was criticized. And I was like, oh, this makes so much sense to me. This is the exact same feeling manifesting itself in a different way. So does, and we're just about done with the time in this particular uh, segment, but mm-hmm. does um, the the act of meditation, does it change you physiologically, which allows you to go into a more present place? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, your blood pressure, you have a reduction in blood pressure. I, I don't have high blood pressure, but you, you actually feel your body relaxing, the muscles relax because if I'm walking around during the day tense, that means my muscles are are tight, they're contracted. But in a state of meditation, I feel and felt myself literally relaxing. Mm. What a beautiful Mm -hmm. tool that is, huh? Mm -hmm. It's it's about time for us to take another short pause, the promised one. Bridget Mm -hmm. and I will return to our discussion on the other side of this break. So you stay right there. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show. We're coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. here and they've been here for thousands of years making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. 
Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Dot future of God, amen, dot com. Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show, missionevolution.org, bringing leading-edge information, supporting the path to enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka, and we're speaking with Bridget Jackson Buckley. Her website, bjbuckley.com. Bridget, is it possible or even desirable to avoid crisis? <laughs> well, <laughs> You know, I have had some moments when, you know, I thought I do, I do not want any more lessons. I don't want any more crossroads or, or anything. But the problem with that is when you're not having, well, let me just back up a minute. I mean, while the financial situation was so, so, so difficult for us, um, it, it, and it, it was so prolonged, it really just took a toll on us. I would not change anything because of the person that I have become become, and continue to become. And unfortunately, when we don't have change or when we don't have difficult situations in life, then there is a possibility that there is stagnation. It's not to say that growth, on, growth only comes from crisis and challenge, but those are defining moments, or at least they can be for you if you are willing to go a bit deeper in and sincerely look and see, is there something underneath this? Could there be an underlying purpose to this? Is there something that is trying to reveal itself to me? Is there, is there more to me than I have known to be true? Because in difficult situations, you are required to dig deep and pull on the deepest parts of yourself to bring forth goodness, to bring forth resilience and, and perseverance. And it was in this situation that I found it really was like, you know, the the pressure creating the diamond. Not not saying that I'm a diamond now, but that was just the only analogy that came to mind that these difficult situations can really make us shine, can really bring forth beautiful qualities that we all want to see, live, and experience in the world. Can't you also, through crisis, um, go inward and you're looking for more energy to, to pull deeply to move forward? Doesn't that also help you run across the places where your energy is blocked um, and you've got your energy tied up in old patterns? Yes, yes, you are definitely, these are just great, great questions because... Also, you know, dealing with finances, I also, with the financial hardship, I also made a connection that if you feel like you don't have enough, there can also be a part of you where you are looking at yourself and thinking, I don't have enough to give. There's not enough to go around. Or you could even be looking at it as though you need to, let's say, withhold love for a fear of rejection or a fear of, um, you know, appearing vulnerable. And I can definitely and honestly say that I, I did engage in some of those thoughts and behaviors where I held significant parts of myself back. And that seemed to meet lack on an energetic level. We didn't have enough. And also I was holding back. So meditation also helped me to see as these thoughts arose that I could definitely bring more love to situations and release the fear around rejection and appearing a certain way and believing that I didn't have anything to give if I didn't have money to give, if that makes sense to you. 
I've, I've lived off grid and in old fashioned cabins and this and that. So I'm drawing on this information, but there was one point when we had this old, old, old pump and you'd always keep a water next, a glass of water next to the pump because it had a leather, um, um, gasket in there and it had to get wet in order for the suction to be built. So basically every time you wanted water, you were giving your last cup of water to the well before the well could give to you. And I think that's such an excellent example that if we lock down because we're afraid of lack and don't let the flow happen, we don't get any water out of that well. (laughs) Absolutely. That is definitely true because I, I mean, I was really holding back. I was just clenched a lot. And now, I, I, I mean, I just felt tight. And now I don't feel that way. I don't come to situations either thinking I'm not enough, that I'm unworthy, or that I don't have something to give if my bank account demonstrates something less than I'd like. I'm no longer thinking that. And I mean, I find myself even going out in public and having just small conversations with strangers, you know, just in the store and passing whatnot, just being more pleasant. And there was a time when I didn't do that. I really kept to myself. I I was rather aloof, you know, and this could stem from, you know, the fact that I was an only child for 16 years and I spent a lot of time by myself. There could be definitely be a connection, but I have found in these years as I give more in whatever way I choose to give, be it time, attention, love, you know, you know, a very present interaction with my children and my husband, then I am always receiving in unexpected and expected ways. It's it's just been a very nice, a nice observation. I can say, oh, I'd love to have such and such. I'd love to have, you know, a cup of coffee. And then someone just shows up with it. it and, and I know there's a correlation because there's a correlation between the inner and the hour, the, the inner and the outer. So as I have felt more giving, more free to express, I have also felt freer to receive. And it's like a cycle of giving and receiving that just yeah, continues. Like, it's like reentering the circle of life. Yeah, <laughs> does, yeah. does crisis have to be traumatic? Um, well, I think if it's crisis, it is going to be uh, traumatic. A challenge can be difficult, but a crisis I don't see how it could not be traumatic. I mean, because it is changing some situations. It's really bringing something to your attention that is demanding that you deal with it immediately. I mean, I don't know what could bring you into the present moment more than a crisis. So how much does reaching a point of crisis have to do with an unwillingness to change? I would say it has a lot to do with it because you know, before all of this took place with, you know, with our financial destitution, I would say that I was living an unexamined life. I was shopping a lot, you know, and just doing a lot of mindless activity, just constantly spending. And I wasn't really being very honorable with, with my money. You know, I, I wasn't just completely just out of control with it, but there has been a major change in my behavior between now and then. And the crisis brought about examinations on so many levels where I had to look at how am I actually honoring the money that I worked for, that my husband worked for? How am I honoring what is being given to us in forms other than money as well as money? How am I treating that? You know, am I am I grateful? How am I honoring what I'm doing, what I'm bringing to a situation? So it really helped me to see that there was room for me to be more respectful, more um, responsible, more present with the choices that we made surrounding what we chose to do with our resources, each and every one of them, each and every resource, be it financial or something else, was a valuable expression of abundance coming to us and going out from us. So how much of the trauma seemingly caused by crisis lies in our approach to it? A large part of it lies in our approach to it because you asked, 
Oh my goodness. You asked for the unwillingness to change. And it did take some time for me to cultivate a willingness to change. For a long time, I wanted the situation to change, but I did not particularly want to change. You know, I, I did. That's myself, familiar, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, be, I did view myself as a victim. Like, this is happening to me. I just cannot find a job. Like, what is going on? And I just. I, I remember for so long just feeling like, just fix it, fix it. And, you know, and when I would speak to people, just coming from this place of desperation, like, just, do you have an answer? Can you help me? Do you have a resource that I don't know about? Just so much grasping. And that is not, I mean, of course it served a purpose because now I can see it for what it was, but I had to have a willingness to change, to really look at what I was bringing, what my approach was. Who was it, Datsu, that says, if you don't change direction, you're going to end up where you're going? Right. Yeah. yeah I, that, guess, I guess we did. <laughs> how does, um, we got just about a minute left here. How does fear-based thinking impact our experience of crisis? Because you are in a continual state of anticipating a fearful response, and that is what you will receive. You know, I... <laughs> Is is that what we receive or the way we in interpret what we receive? I felt that I received lots of situations to be fearful about, you know, and at, at the time I could only meet it from a state of fear. And now I'm not meeting it from a state of fear because that feeling that I was going to die, that I was going to perish, that something really, really horrific was going to ha to happen to me or to my family, that feeling is no longer there. So the fear-based thinking has drastically min minimized. And yes, my perceptual awareness has expanded to reduce my interpretations that everything coming at me is a threat. Beautiful. Well, we need to take another quick break. Bridget and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. You have heard of the Exxon? Now watch it on Simul TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. 
So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens, and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com. Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show. We're bringing together gifted people of service to the world, and I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. I always love to hear from my listeners. Email me at info at missionevolution.org and suggest a topic or guess that's on your mind. I'm sure we'll all enjoy them. Our guest this hour is Bridget Jackson Buckley. Her website, bjbuckley.com. Bridget, how can a person remain present in the uh, discomfort of change? Well, you can remain present by allowing yourself to feel the feelings that you feel associated with change, to allow yourself to simply be with it. And I, I do not say that from the perspective that that's easy or that's something that's just comfortable to do. I have gone through change. I know it is very, very uncomfortable. I sometimes felt like a, a kicking and screaming child being pulled along um, but if you just give yourself an opportunity to just experience those feelings, you will come to understand or to recognize that some of the feelings are not as difficult to sit with as you may think. Like you do need to give yourself time to, if you're going to be afraid, give yourself a moment to be afraid. If you're sad about something, if you are mourning someone or something, you definitely need to feel the feelings. But the differences between my experience now and let's say a few years ago is that I didn't sit and just dwell in those difficult emotions of fear. I don't do that now. I don't sit for just weeks and weeks and just lament on how horrible things are. Or if if I have an experience, just dwell on it for hours and hours about how horrible it is. I do give myself time to experience the feelings because I know that they're they're temporary, that I'm going to come out of it, that it's just an experience that I'm having and I'm processing the feelings by sitting with them. I'm not just stuffing them down, like maybe I would have done at another time or trying to push them away. That brings you very much so into the moment. What, you know, you speak of higher purpose. What do you mean by okay. higher purpose? That your daily actions, that what you are doing is making a contribution to your to the bigger picture, to your family, your community, to the world, as, as you are expressing your gifts and talents and highest abilities as you, through you, that you understand that we all are connected. It may not appear to be so when you look at it just with the naked physical eye, but we really are connected to each other. We have an effect on each other in indirect, indirect ways. And as you really look to cultivate your higher purpose and what's trying to come through you, you can come to a realization that you are making a contribution that is significant. I like to look at it as a rippling effect. One of my favorite sayings or quotes is from Mother Teresa, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone to create many ripples. And that, I think, is very important, is when you are aware and connected 
to the higher vision that wants to come through you. It could be painting, it could be songwriting, photography, interviewing, but whatever it is that contributes a significant contribution for for people to, I would say, have a deeper connection with the presence in their own way. That to me is connecting to your higher purpose. Does everyone have a higher purpose? I think that we all come in with a higher purpose, but 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 one thing that I think could sometimes cause a problem is that you may think a higher purpose is associated with being well known by millions of people having fame and your higher purpose could simply be, I mean, you could be holding space, a holding a space of love in a physical space where, let's say, you know, it's some sort of war-torn area where people are having a hard time conceiving of being loving at that moment, but you are bringing in love at that moment. Higher purpose, could it could be multifaceted. It doesn't have to be just one thing, I don't think, because we have so many gifts and talents, talents that want to come through us. So one higher purpose that I could say that I have is to connect with people on a heart level through what I do through writing. But I also bring that higher purpose when I'm speaking to someone. I like to make a heart level connection, like how are we connected? What do we have in common? That's usually the first thing on my mind. And even just being in a room, a higher purpose could for me could be, okay, I know some of these individuals tend to like to argue or have, you know, conversations that could be a little tense so I can sit in a space of love here. So you're saying that our higher purpose is actually the frequency that we bring to any situation at any time. That's a part of it. That I think that is definitely a part of it because the higher purpose can be expressed in so many different ways, but it contributes to the bigger picture of what is going on in the world, like what we were doing, and it expresses as you through you in whatever way that needs to be. You, you advocate trusting the nonlinear path and process of life. Would you explain what that is? Well, it means that we tend to make plans and want to map out A, B, C, D, this is going to happen, or one, two, or two, three, this is the, the trajectory of how this is supposed to happen. And there is absolutely nothing that has been linear or traditional about the way any of this has unfolded for me, the way this book came about, the way I began to start writing the book, there was nothing traditional about it. Um, and when you speak to people, let's say about the way something is supposed to be done, like how do you get a literary agent, for example, um, a person may list out five things in the order in which they need to happen, but that is not how it happened for me. A lot of it was really following the intuitive prompts that kept pushing at me the the what was coming into my awareness oh you should speak to her about this ask her about this that just it kept coming up and as i listened to that inner voice and followed what i felt compelled and prompted to do it was it almost felt like following breadcrumbs like it, it was leading me someplace and then i look up and say oh my gosh i actually have a literary agent oh my gosh, they actually bought the proposal, they bought the book. So that's what I mean when I say it was non-traditional and non-linear because I did not follow a predetermined pattern. Yes, we did have to take some similar steps, but the way that it came about was very fluid and organic. So you set your intention and followed your promptings rather than a formula. I knew, I knew I've always wanted to write a book. I never knew what I would write it about. And at a time when I felt clear and open, I kept, I, I just kept having these thoughts. Okay, you should type this material up. So I followed that and I didn't know what was going to happen after I typed the material up. So when I finished typing the material up, then I started having, oh, you should contact her. You should, and, and, and it was to the point where it just wouldn't go away. So that's my sign. If something keeps coming into my awareness with repetition, I no longer ignore it. Even if I don't know what's on the other side of it or where I think it should lead to, I just follow through with it. So 
that's how this came about, just following it because the promptings would, wouldn't go away. So let's go in for full circle here. What is the gift of crisis? <laughs> there have been so many gifts. I would say one of them is releasing fear and also noticing my growing ability to remain with an open heart and bring that to my everyday encounters and speak from that place instead of speaking from a place of fear. Hmm. Fear has really been the keynote throughout this conversation, hasn't it? It really, really has because it was so, so prevalent. I had a lot to let go of. I had a lot of unlearning to do. And so much of this, while it may appear as though it's about gaining something, it really is about letting go. Letting go of of habits, thoughts, beliefs, patterns that no longer serve you, that don't have, you no longer have a need for them in your life. I no longer have feel like I have the need to be so afraid. Well, we have about hmm, 45 seconds left. How can we impact the world by reframing the way we manage crisis? I think the greatest way, when you asked the question, the first thing that came to mind was the greatest way to to impact crisis, I think is to just be who you are in your most loving state. And believe me, I know that that sounds very hallmarkish and like something you hear or read on a greeting card, but really getting in touch and being, being, being with your heart, which will not lead you astray. It will not ever steer you in the wrong direction. It is it is trying to steer you, to guide you where you can go so that it is the highest outcome, not only for you, but for everyone involved in the situation. If you well, can- Brigitte, we oh. <laughs> are out of time. Thank you so much for throwing your stones and making ripples. Thank you. As always, time has flown in. Now we're out of it. Thank you so much, Brigitte, for coming on the show. Our guest this hour has been Bridget Jackson Buckley, author of The Gift of Crisis. Her website, bjbuckley.com. Remember to join our email family to stay abreast of all the exciting new things we have coming up at missionevolution.org. This has been the Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Join us next time as the mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to an evolving world. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I dot net. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. 
You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today.